welcome. Happy holidays. We're so glad you've joined us for worship today. I'm Sheila and I'll be your host for this online worship experience. If this is your first time joining us, we wanna give you a special gift. If you'll register with us online, this coming week we will send you a gift card for some peppermint hot chocolate or the beverage of your choice. And we thank you for being with us today. This is the first week of our new Advent series called Prepare the Way. Pastor Jason has a great message just ahead for us. And speaking of the sermon, you'll find sermon discussion questions and more online at schweitzer.church next. And now, here's Stephanie with our announcements. Hello, welcome to Schweitzer. I'm Stephanie. The Christmas season is officially here and we wanna say a big thank you to everybody who helped to decorate our sanctuary. And the snowflakes on the window are a bonus decoration. We ask that you take one of those and continue to do your shopping for our special Christmas toy drive that's coming up. As we enter into the Advent season, we have some great resources for you, including our Schweitzer Spark Christmas Edition, which includes Advent devotionals, some fun kids' activity pages, and stories about the life transformation and the heart behind the Christmas cantata. Another fun item we have from our Schweitzer Kids team is this great Advent calendar with a window for each day of the season. You can pick both of these items up on the tables outside the Fellowship Center. Throughout the Advent season, Marsha Mankin will be leading a discussion of the book, The Greatest Gift, on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. and Wednesday mornings at 9.30 a.m. This study will help you experience the joy of Christmas in a whole new way as you journey together. It's not too late to join. You can pick up a book at the Blue Booth today. A couple more dates and times to keep in mind include our Schweitzer Choir Christmas Cantata, which will be held both at the 9 and 10.30 a.m. services on December 18th. And of course, our Christmas Eve services, which will be held at 3, 5, and 7 this year. And as always, we are looking for volunteers for Christmas Eve. If you would like to be an usher, greeter, photographer, or help us out on the tech team, let us know by going online to schweitzer.church Christmas. We look forward to seeing you there. Last but not least, if you are new to Schweitzer and all of this seems like a lot, we invite you to join us next Sunday, December 4th, after the 10.30 a.m. service for our next all-in lunch. You'll enjoy some delicious food, hear from the pastors, have a chance to ask some questions, and even take a campus tour. Just let us know that you're coming by stopping by the Blue Booth today. We are so grateful that you're spending your morning with us. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie, for those great announcements. There are so many wonderful things happening here at Schweitzer. We invite you to join us for one or all of these events. You can sign up for these events at schweitzer.church next. As always, if you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to join in the chat. Say hello to your friends, give us your insights. And if you're in need of prayer, we have someone waiting for you in the prayer room. Just press that button and we'll be right with you. And now let's continue to worship.
Oh 
The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Almighty God, as the Advent season begins, we cry out to you in hope, because we live in a world of darkness and death. Loving God, remind us that our hope is in you. Wherever we find ourselves this season, be with us on this Advent journey. Amen. As we come to this time of prayer, I invite you to join me as we talk to our Heavenly Father together. Let's pray. Holy God, what an honor it is just to spend time in prayer with you. During this Advent season, we know that preparations are being made for so many things. But God, in the midst of those preparations, help us to stop and take a deep breath and just realize that the main thing we need to prepare for is the coming of the Christ child. Help us to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the salvation that you offer. We thank you for this gift, and we thank you that it is there for the asking, not for anything that we do or say, but just because it's a gift from you. God, we pray that we might receive that with our hearts and that we might share that joy and that good news with others. God, we want to pray together now the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, we want to celebrate today the fact that Schweitzer Church is Christ-centered and community-focused. One of the many aspects of ministry that happens here at Schweitzer is Flourish, our community development corporation. It's housed here at Schweitzer and has many facets of ministry, which makes a difference in the lives of so many people. Here's a video for you. I've been, I'm, I'm 58 and I started using drugs when I was probably about 12 years old. And it's just led to disaster my whole life. I've been to prison 11 times 
and it's all drugs, drug-related charges, thefts. I just was stuck in a rut, you know, an endless cycle. And I didn't know what I was gonna do, but I came here and I got hooked up with the Harbor House and it's a homeless shelter. And while I was there, I attended a Jobs for Life program through Flourish and that was an eye-opener for me, you might say, because I, I was gonna attend it just out of curiosity, and then there was a lot of footwork I had to do, and I really didn't wanna do it, but then I said, wait a minute, I'm making a change in my life. I need to follow through with my commitments and do what I'm saying I'm gonna do. Part of that change within me was to do something different I need to act different. I need to place myself spiritually and mentally in a place where things are gonna be different. And God has really provided for me. He's, he's carried me every step of the way. And, you know, I just, I thank God every morning when I get up. Two years ago, I had no idea where I would be. I had no idea where I'd be six months ago. I didn't know what, if it wasn't for staying and jobs for life, you know, I just don't know what I would be right now because they really helped me emotionally as far as, you know, God carried me through, but I needed people to lean on and they were there and they, it just, it, everything just fell into place. Jobs for Life is a Christ-centered approach for preparing people for meaningful work. Uh, one of the things that uh, happens in Jobs for Life is we create friendships. And uh, even though the session where George and I were together in Jobs for Life has been over for a while, we keep in touch. In fact, just this week, George treat, took me and my wife, Joy, out for lunch, treated me, uh, us, because uh, it was another milestone. And while, he, uh, while there, he passed me this thank you note. And I wanna read it because it kinda, he didn't write this for any other reason. I mean, it was a personal uh, thing that he wrote, but I think it kind of rap, uh, explains a lot about what happened and what happens in Jobs for Life. It says, you can rise up from anything. You can completely recreate yourself. Nothing is permanent. You're not stuck. You have choices. You can think new thoughts. You can learn something new. You can create new habits. All that matters is that you decide today and never look back. I don't know what would have happened without your help and support. Thank you. Now, George, when I read that out loud, I don't know if you noticed, my wife was in tears. <laughs> because that really, really touched her. And I think that kind of talks about the spirit of Jobs for Life. On one hand, we t there's a lot of teaching of soft skills, but there's a lot of support. We didn't talk about this. There, it's not just personal support. There are companies involved that are, that are providing support. Uh, they're just, it's like a, in a sense, create a, a family of support uh, for people that go through Jobs for Life. Our, Our lives, lives have, have been, been transformed, transformed by, by the Ministries, ministries of, of Flourish. Flourish.
They are transforming lives in the name of Jesus Christ. What a joy it is to be a part of ministry like that. We invite you to continue supporting ministries like this at Schweitzer by going online to give at schweitzer.church give. Thank you so much for your support. And now, here's Pastor Jason with this week's message, Prepare the Way. Hello and welcome to worship. We're so glad you're here. Happy Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving weekend. Hope you've had a fantastic time celebrating with your family, with your friends, wherever you may be. Hope you've had a great time celebrating together. Uh, I'm Pastor Jason. It's a joy to welcome you into this, into this worship experience. Today we're going to be embarking on an Advent journey. And we're going to be calling this series, the sermon series, Prepare the Way. Now, <clears throat> we're going to take a look at St. Luke's version of the events of Jesus coming forth in a ministry. And we're going to be hearing as, as uh, Luke unpacks the person of John the Baptist, as John helps us get ready for Jesus in the manger. Now, Advent is a journey that we typically, or is typically marked off as a time of preparing for Christmas. Um, we have a hard time waiting, don't we? Like when one, um, when one event takes place, we're ready for the next one. When one holiday comes, we're ready for the next one. Recently, my wife was talking about how she made cookies. And the cookies that she made, the recipe called for them to be placed in the refrigerator. I looked at her and I said, I don't like cookies like this because I love to take cookies that are dough, put them on the thing, put them in the oven, and then get them out. I don't like waiting. I realize this about myself. And ultimately, I think we look around at all kinds of other things. We are a people who are ready for Christmas. And yet the church has said, the church has used this word Advent as a way of saying, you know what? Before we get right to Christmas, we need to take a, a season where we prepare our hearts, where we slow down, we think about the journey that we're on, we think about the journey that our hearts need to take, and we begin to wait. We walk slowly towards Christmas Day so that our hearts can be tuned into the journey that Jesus himself wants to take us on. And so, for the next few weeks, we are going to be taking a journey, preparing the way for what Jesus wants to do in and through us. And we're going to be looking at John the Baptist and hearing what he has to say, actually, but not just what he has to say, but what God has to say through John's story to us. So if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 3 and hear these verses or read along with me as we take a look at Luke 3, 1 to 6. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over uh, Ituria and Trachonitis. Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. I want to unpack this just a little bit as we, as we go along. Here in these first two, two verses, Luke is telling us uh, something significant about, 
about John, something significant about other things. First thing Luke is doing is he's, he's showing us, he's telling us the story of Jesus within a historical context. He's saying, here are the people who were all ruling, because he's, remember, he's writing to somebody else who's, who's a recipient who's going to wonder, when does this take place? Well, it takes place somewhere between 28 and 29 AD. John situates the story within this historical context. What he's telling us about John and about Jesus happens in this, in this time frame. The second thing he says is this. At this time, a message came from John, or came from God, to John, son of Zechariah, who is living in the wilderness. Right away, Luke tells us that God is, is active, and there's a message that comes from God, and it, and it resonates with John, and John is in the wilderness. Uh, a few things to, here to point, point out. God is at work, and God's work is unfolding. John, we don't know why he's in the wilderness. We don't know, we don't know what propelled him to the wilderness, but this is the place where the word of God, where God really meets with John. And there's something unique <clears throat> about the word of God meeting John in the wilderness or in the desert. God often finds a way to connect with people that he wants to do something and, and to bring forth his work in the world when they're in desert places. If you find yourself in a desert place, take heart. This may be the place where God wants to speak with you or this may be a place where you can hear and receive the word of the Lord. All in all, though, one of the things that, jo that Luke is telling us is that God is at work. And this work is something that we call, within the fabric of, of Methodism, we call it provenient grace. That is that God has a way of going before us, of putting himself out in front of us, of being a gift to us. And God's work exists before we have a clue. So this is what we see happening right here, the first two verses. Here's, here are the people who are ruling over things. Here's John out in the wilderness, and the word of the Lord comes to John. We pick up verse 3. Then John went from place to place. So he left the wilderness, and he went place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins. After Receiving the word of the Lord, John began to speak. And he does so on two sides of the river uh, along the way, seemingly from the Dead Sea up to the Sea of Galilee. That's the, the length of, of the Jordan River. He goes those two places and he calls for a baptism. <clears throat> Commentators have suggested that this baptism is unique within the life of Israel. If someone were a, a Gentile, Becoming a convert to Judaism, they may be baptized. But John calls for a baptism of all those who hear him because in some form or fashion, John is saying that each and every one of us who hear him, each and every one of us who receive the preparation that John is bringing, have a need in our own life for the act of repentance, for the act of being open to receiving what is yet to come. That is the person of Jesus. And so John says, there's a, something in us that needs to confess we have a need. That's the act of, of repentance. Then Luke continues. So John went and he preached, talked about baptism. And then he says, Isaiah, 
had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be strengthened or straightened and the rough places made smooth. And all people will see the salvation sent from God. Luke appeals to the prophecy of Isaiah 40. And John's voice is the voice that is lifted up, preparing the way for the Lord. This promise that Isaiah had received comes forth in the person of John. And he begins to say, we need to fill some things in. We need to straighten some things out. We need to level some things up. Now, a big focus of this leveling of the road, of straightening things out and all this, is this one final verse. All people will see the salvation that is sent from God. John comes as a forerunner, as an announcer, as someone who is preparing everyone who hears him, all of his listeners. He's preparing for this, that everyone should see the salvation that comes from God. Now, God initiates this movement of grace. God is passionate about it. From the very promise and the very covenant making that God himself made with Abraham, where Abraham said, or where God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want to make a covenant with you. And one of the last things that he covenanted with Abraham was that he was going to make his family be a blessing, to be a blessing to all the world, so that the world might know that God loves the world everyone in the world, so that everyone might see the salvation of God. This passion of God is present in all kinds of places. It's passion in that favorite verse that many people have of John 3, 16, about how God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. There is a, a love, a universal love that comes from God that is shared with us, and it comes to us in all kinds of ways. Recently, I've, I've been working my way through the books of First and Second Samuel for a while. And I came across this uh, verse that reaffirms this passion of God in Second Samuel 14, 14. There's a woman who approaches David and she preaches to him. And at one point, this woman who's preaching to David says this, all of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water that are spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Indeed, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him. Here is this heart, this passion, this thrust, this overriding message from the Lord himself that is on all of the pages of Scripture. He wants all people, you and me included, to behold, to see the salvation that comes from God. And so, here's what the Father does. The Son is in the world. The sun is roaming around. The sun will soon to be revealed. But God says, I'm going to send a forerunner. I'm going to send somebody who prepares the way for the sun. And so he has a, he has a point. I said, John, go. Begin to talk about repentance. Begin to talk about how people have a need for me. So John is sent. And he is sent to raise our heads, to raise our eyes, to raise our expectations to see that God's salvation is coming down the road. And it's not just coming to some distant place, but it's coming down our road to our towns, and it's coming for everyone. One of the things that, that Luke tells us, he said, John was living in the deserts. He was living in the desert places. And then he comes out, and he comes alongside the Jordan River. And on both sides of the Jordan River, 
And there are all kinds of people who travel on both sides of the Jordan River. People who go back and forth from Galilee to Jerusalem because they're, they're going for religious purposes or they're going for business purposes. John is sent into the highways and byways where people make their life and they make all kinds of things happen. He's sent to those places. He's sent to the places where some people hide, in fact, because they may not feel connected to society or connected to culture. And some of the people that John meets up with along the way are people who, who may be far from God or they may be forsaken. They may feel like they've been forsaken by their own communities. But all along this river route, John is connecting with all kinds of people. And he's sent with one message. We're to prepare our hearts because Jesus is coming. Jesus wants to live and reside with us. John Wesley talked about how uh, he loved to preach. And he felt challenged. He, he was challenged by one of his best friends, George Whitfield, Because Whitfield said, you know, John, there are people all around us in England in the 1700s who are hungry for the word of God. But for most people, they'll never hear it because no one will go out to where the people are at because of how their days and life were ordered. And so he said, John, why don't you come out into the fields with me? Why don't you come out into the roads where people are traveling, going to and from work, to and from mines? They're not showing up in their church buildings. Why don't you come? And John's like, I don't think I can. But finally, he said, on, on the 2nd of April, 1739, he wrote this in his diary. I submitted to be more vile, considered it a crazy thing, and proclaimed in the highways the glad tidings of salvation. Wesley said, as I began to connect and to share the story of God, people began to resonate and began to hear what he was saying like he hadn't seen before when he was in the pristine places, locked in some building of stone behind a pristine pulpit. Wesley began to see that there is something that is, that is in God's own heart himself. That is a thriving to connect with all kinds of people. And maybe you feel distant, or maybe you feel connected, whatever it is, you need to know this. Throbbing within the very heart of God the Father is that each and every one of us would know his full life, his full salvation, that we would know the liberty and the grace, the profound love that the Father has for us and for all people of the world. So Wesley said, I went out to, that, to those places, into the fields. I felt like I was doing something I shouldn't. But my goodness, people heard the word of Christ like they had not heard in a long time. Well, there is a part for us to play. There is a something for us to do as we hear John's being sent out from the desert into the, into the road that runs on both sides of the Jordan River. There is a part for us to play. Some of us, we need to receive this good word of God where, where we're at, where it greets us. Some of us need to look up. We need our heads raised because we've been looking all around. We've been thinking about all kinds of other things. And we need to know that Jesus is coming and he longs to reside and dwell with us and in us. Some of us need to know because we're locked in all kinds of places where we're subservient to something or someone else. We're not really living into the life that God has for us. And we need to know this. 
Jesus is coming. Salvation is coming and is here for us. We also need to be challenged. In what we see, some of us need to be challenged in what we see in who John the Baptist is. Because there are points in our life when we're in the wilderness and God speaks into our own life and, and we need to go. There's a passion that God has that all people would see and experience His salvation. And some of us are sitting on the sidelines. Or some of us are hamstringed by some of our own prejudices or our own tribalisms. Some of us are sitting on the sidelines where we say we can't really endeavor to, be, to give ourselves to that work because our schedules are already full. Because, you know what, there are a lot of things that can keep our hands busy. But some of us, we just need to hear the whisper and the heart of God and we need to say, okay, Lord, where is it you're sending me? Because you've sent Christ into the world and there's a work that you're, you're doing and, and you're preparing others and you, wanna, you want me to be a part of it in some form or fashion. A week ago, um, the team at Flourish had a gra- graduation ceremony. They had, a number, they had a couple of people who went through the Jobs for Life class that Flourish offers. <clears throat> Over the course of, of Flourish and Schweitzer's time holding Jobs for Life classes, They've, they've offered over 25 classes or cohorts, and they've had over 130 graduates. It's been a really remarkable experience, and it's so transformative because it's a place where people hear the kind of good news that John brings, and there's a kind of preparation that, that takes place in their life. But you know what? There's a high cost for that sense of preparation. Wayne Thompson, when he talks about it, he knows about the high cost of the class because it takes about five hours for a champion to be committed to sit beside somebody in a class every week. And the, the experience lasts for about eight weeks, so it takes about 40 hours of just class time. And then there's travel time, and then there's time on the phone when someone is walking alongside, being someone who helps prepare somebody as a, as a champion is to a student, or a mentor is to a student. And yet, the payoff is so incredible as people enter in and they know what it is to have valleys and mountains and and roads that are full of of things that obstruct their journey people know that so deeply and it's amazing what happens when somebody comes alongside and they walk alongside and they begin to be like a john the baptist who raises up somebody else's head as they speak life into somebody else's experience as they walk alongside, as they hear what the challenges are, and yet as they help serve as John the Baptist did, they begin to remove the roadblocks. They begin to fill in the valleys and take down the mountains. They begin to speak about the goodness of God and how everyone is made in the image of God. The amazing thing about Jobs for Life is not the fact that so many people find jobs and they find a sense of fulfillment, but it's this, is that so many people have begun to see in new and renewed ways the salvation that comes from God that affects everything about their life. Not only their eternity, but it affects their eternity right now. There's a part for us to play. Some of us We really don't believe that God loves us. 
And we need to look up and we need to see and we need to hear that God in fact does in the person of Christ, he loves us deeply. And some of us, we've been on the sidelines out in the desert and the Lord has a way of coming alongside and tapping us on the shoulder. He says, I've got something for you to do. That something may be to be with others closely, to walk alongside others and to announce the goodness of God in such a way that others find the liberty, the freedom, and the life of Christ. Kind Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this worship experience. Thank you for your goodness in sending John and for all of us in sending someone who prepared the way so that we might hear of Jesus, so that we might worship him, so that we might know the saving power of Christ in our own life, in our own experience. If we've forgotten or we've never tasted that afresh or anew, Jesus, we simply ask that you would come into our lives. Do your good work in us. Give us faith. Help us hear your, your word. And Father, if we've, if we've known you, if we've walked with you, speak deeply into our own hearts. Prepare us for the mission that you want us to go on. Make us ready to be people like John. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for worship. I want to thank the team for making this worship service happen, and especially Pastor Jason for his excellent message. If you know someone who might benefit from hearing this message, we invite you to share it on social media, and we really appreciate you doing that. And now, we invite you back next week for week two of Prepare the Way. Have a great week.
Father, my word has become flesh through my own son. 